So Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to be reading verse 7, and then I'm going to read 15 through 18, and then 21 through 23. It says this. Then the Lord God formed the man. And this is about Adam. To give some context to this, this story, it's about Adam and um, how God, he created the heavens and the earth in chapter 1. We all know that he created the heavens, the earth, the sky, every living creature. But this is chapter 2, and this is more about Adam's story. So this um, what is what it says in verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. So we're going to be getting back to that, so make sure you keep that in your mind. Verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. That's really harsh, but it's good. Good stuff. And verse 18, then it says this. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. Verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this one at least is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from the man. So today as we begin our series, Make Shapes and Love Letters, I want to speak to you on the subject of before the person. Before the person, as we look at what relationships look like and how we should maintain a healthy life before people that are around us. Will you pray with me one more time? Father, we thank you, Lord for today. Father, we thank you that your word is powerful, that it's living and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, I pray, Lord, today that as I speak the word, that you would speak through me. Father, I thank you that you would use me by your Holy Spirit to teach people and to lead people. Father, I pray, Lord, for any anxiety, any fear that would hinder me from preaching your word. Father, I thank you that not one life in this room leads the same way that they came in, but I pray that wisdom and revelation takes place in our minds and in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. So today we're going to be really dealing with what it looks like to have a healthy, um, not only relationships, but what it looks like to be healthy ourselves. And so today I'm going to kind of just take you through three um, easy points. And I believe that this message, as I was preparing for this message this week, God was really just like tugging on my heartstrings and really tugging and like asking me to, to bring up some things that I thought were kind of done with. And so today I'm going to be really transparent and vulnerable with you. And so I believe that it's going to bring healing to you in this moment. So, but we're going to, everybody shout number one. So the first point is this, we have to know our purpose. So in order for us to walk in healthy relationship and to be healthy, we have to first know our purpose. Genesis 2, 15 to 17, it says this, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. So right there we see that the moment that God created Adam, he first gave him a purpose. The first thing that he did, he gave him a purpose. He said, I'm created you, so now you're going to work the garden and you're going to watch over it. That's a task. That's something that I'm going to give you. And so he gave him that purpose. And then it goes on to say in verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So everybody would, when I read the scripture at first, I was like, man, that's kind of harsh. And a lot of people take the scripture and say, man, why could a God that's so loving why could a God that's so gracious and so merciful, why would he set perimeters around 
the garden? Why would he say you can't eat from that? Why would he even just, why wouldn't he just not even create this tree? Why, why, why would he do that? And so the first thing that we have to look at is God gave Adam purpose. And then secondly, he gave him a place. So God gave him a purpose and a place. His place was in the Garden of Eden. And then thirdly, he gave him parameters. He gave him parameters. So these are things that we're kind of looking at. We're looking at key points and the things that God has given us in order for us to live and have healthy relationships. So first, God gave him a purpose. God gave him a place, and then God gave him parameters. A lot of people will say, well, why, why did he do that? Why did he give him parameters? How many of you guys know, for those of us who have kids in this room, we, I have a baby, and I set up a baby gate. I set up a baby gate for, for steps so my baby doesn't fall down the steps and roll and tumble and hurt herself. I set perimeters. I set perimeters out of love. And so the thing that God is trying to show us in this context, in this scripture, is that he set perimeters out of love. He set perimeters out of love. And he gave him a purpose and a place to fit in. And so a lot of us are, are wondering around life, wondering and wanting, wanting to know what our purpose is. And a lot of times, I, I talk to a lot, of, a lot of single dudes, all my single dudes in the house, you know who you are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we, I talk to a lot of my guys, a lot of my guy friends, and they're, they're always like, man, I really want a relationship. And the first thing I ask him, I always say this, do you know your purpose? Do you know your purpose in life? Do you know what God has called you to? Because a lot of times we're trying to find relationships around us in order to fit into our purpose. But, but how many of you guys know that God is the only one that can give you purpose? God is the only one that can give you the purpose in the place that you need. And so a lot of us are, are wanting a spouse or wanting that relationship, and we want to find purpose through somebody else instead of God. But the first thing I love that God did in Adam's life is that he gave him a purpose and a place to fit in. And so we need to know and we need to be um, in, in this relationship series, we got to really dig in deep and say, okay, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? In order to have healthy relationships, in order for me to be healthy, and it doesn't matter if you're single, it doesn't matter if you're married, it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in, we all need to know our purpose. Because some of us have been married for 35 years and we forgot our purpose. Come on, I'm preaching really good this morning. Some of us have been married for so long that we've forgotten our purpose. And it is up to us to realize and seek God and say, Lord, what is my purpose? I know that you have a purpose and a plan for my life. What is my purpose? Where is my place? And Lord, show me my parameters. Because that's where God moves. He moves in purpose, he moves in a place, and he moves in parameters. And so I love it, the scripture, when God said, the Lord, God took the man and placed him in the garden. He gave him a place. You have a place. God has called you to this place. Whether that's the well, whether that's Salt Lake City, God has called you to this place. And so you have to be confident in your place. You have to be confident in that. So the Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. So he gave him a purpose. How many of you guys know that if God, if, I, I honestly think, I'm like, man, well, why didn't God just let him just roam around? How many, how many of you guys know if God, if we didn't have any rules to anything, if I just let my, my child just roam around the house and do whatever she wanted, she would eventually get hurt. Or we, we would eventually um, uh, do something that is not so good. Right? So he gave him a purpose so that he would, his hands would be fulfilled, so he would feel fulfilled. And a lot of us aren't operating in our God-given purpose. We're not operating in the thing that God has called us to. And so it's important that we know our purpose and our place when we have relationships. And God told me this uh, yesterday. It was, it was so good. I'm like, man, that's really good. That's, thank you, Holy Spirit. Awesome. Um, he said this. He said, when, you know, when we know our purpose, we will be in our place. Knowing your purpose is an automatic result 
of being in your place. And then he goes and says, so when we know our purpose, we will be in our place. And if we are in the right place, we will be provided for. And if we know who provides for us, then we will be confident in our purpose. I'm going to say that again. That's good. Let me say that again. When we know our purpose, we will be in our place. So when you know the purpose that God has called you to, you will be in the right place at the right time. If I didn't know my purpose and what God had called me to, I would not be on this stage today. But because I knew the purpose and what God was calling to, he gave me a place. He gave me a platform to preach the good news. So I knew my purpose. When we know our purpose, we will be in our place. And if we are in the right place, we will be provided for. And if we know who provides for us, then we will be confident in our purpose. You see, a lot of us, um, I started thinking about my relationship with my wife. And I started thinking about how it, how it all started. And um, when we started talking, it was crazy because, um, like, for me, I, I, we already, like, I already knew my purpose. When we started talking years ago, we've been married for a six, we'll be celebrating our six-year anniversary, June 30th. Come on. And, um, and we've been dating for, we've been, like, together, we've known each other for, like, 11 years, something like that. Um, but we, we, we dated for about a year before that. Um, and so when, I always remember conversations on the phone. And we were long distance for the beginning, which was awesome. And we would just have these conversations on the phone. Thank God. Thank you, Lord, for that. Um, and so uh, we would have all these conversations. And our conversations wouldn't be like finding out what our purpose was. Our conversations would be so good because we would talk about, we would dream up. We would dream up things like, man, like she was going to school. She was going to school to be a, a school teacher, special education. Um, she has a degree in that field. I was in Bible college at the time. And so we would just talk and dream up of things. We would say, man, wouldn't it be awesome if we had School of the Arts one day? Wouldn't it be awesome if we, we did this? Every conversation that we had was driven by purpose. We weren't talking about random things uh, and random situations. We were so focused on purpose. And we weren't sidetracked. That's what I love about it. We weren't sidetracked. See, a lot, of, a lot of people that are in relationships, we don't talk about purpose. We don't talk about what God has, has planned for us. A lot of it's like we're trying to figure out this and that. And that's a headache. That's frustration. And so I loved when we used to talk on the phone. It used to be like, man, man, we just dream up. Man, it would be awesome if we had a school of the arts one day. It would be awesome if we did this. And I said, I remember saying to her a long time ago, because I always, like, love, I just love pastor's wives. Like, I always, like, I don't know what it is. Like, I grew up just around pastor's wives. I'm like, they're so sweet and, like, just so, like, I don't know what it is. I just love pastor's wife. It's awesome. And so I always used to be, like, because she didn't, she didn't see it back then. She, like, she was in church and stuff. But I was like, man, babe, it would be awesome if you were, um, a, like, a pastor's wife. And she's like, no, nah, that's never going to happen. That's not, I ain't doing that. That's never going to happen. I'm like, well, well, and here we are right here, sitting right here, pastor's wife right there. So, but we would always talk about these things, and we would dream up all these things, and, and it would be so awesome when we would talk on the phone because we knew our purpose. We weren't wasting time. And a lot of us are in relationships that we're wasting time, and they're not purposeful. They're not purpose-driven. And we have to be healthy, and we have to know our purpose. And so this is for all, all ages and spaces, whether you're single, whether you're married, whatever space you're in, whether you're divorced, it doesn't matter. We have to be healthy, and we have to first know our purpose. In order to have healthy relationships, if we want to walk this life out together, we have to know, and we have to have our purpose. We have to be driven by purpose. This is something that I love talking about. I love, like, talking about people's dreams and, and goals and their ambitions and knowing their purpose because I believe that God has designed each and every one of you in this room with a set of a purpose. He's designed you. He's equipped you with the purpose that you need. So I love that in the scripture where it says, Adam, he gave him purpose. Everybody shout number two. We should 
love continually. In order to have healthy relationships, we should learn to love continually. First Peter 4.8, it says this. But most important of all, whoa, awesome. But most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. This is the most important thing of all. Paul is saying the most important thing that we could ever do and ever have when we have healthy relationships is to continue in love. The most important of all, continue to show deep love, not just a surface level love, deep love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love is continual choice daily. And I I started thinking about this, and I started thinking about just my kids and my family and how I could get up one morning. This is never going to happen, but I can get up one morning because love is a decision. I can get up one morning and say, man, I choose not to love my family today because love is ultimately a choice. It's a choice that we have to take. And a lot of us, we're choosing not to love someone that, that has hurt us in the past, there's hurt, there's, there's something that's, that's gone on in the past, and we're, we're holding on to it. We're choosing not to love them because of something that they've done to us. But in order for us to be healthy and have healthy relationships, we have to choose to love continually. It's a continual thing. It's a day-to-day action. I get up in the morning, I say, man, Lord, teach me how to love at a deeper level. Teach me how to love the people that are around me. Teach me how to love the people that hurt me. Teach me how to love the people that have uh, wrongfully used me. Teach me how to love continually. It's an action. We have to choose to love continually. And so when I say we should love continually, it means a constant, it's in constant pursuit. We have to be in constant pursuit of love. Daily. Daily. It's a daily choice to love somebody. Even when they hurt you, even when they've, you know, they've done wrong to you, it's a daily decision to love. And so as we're starting this relationship series, I find it uh, that, that it's, it's, it's important that we get this into our heart. That we know our purpose and that we continue to love. That we know the purpose that God has given us and we continue to love out of that purpose. Amen? So when it says love covers a multitude of sin, that literally means love covers all of our mistakes All the wrongdoings that people have done to you, love covers that. Love covers every single thing. When Jesus died on the cross, when people betrayed him and wronged him, he still loved them. And he said, Father, what? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. He chose to love them despite what they did to them. And this is hard. This is hard because some of us are harboring on things that we've had in the past. We're harboring on something that we haven't forgiven somebody for. And it's like, man, man, I want to love them, but I just don't know how. I don't know how to love them. I don't know if I can love them. But it says love deeply. It's a choice. It's a continual choice. Day after day to love. Come on. It's a continual daily choice to love somebody. And so in order for us to really have healthy relationships in our lives, we have to have this in our hearts. Our purpose, and we have to love continually. It's not, it's not, it, 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 it is a choice. It's a choice that we have to do every step of the way. Every day. And my last point is this. It's going to take a little longer because I believe that there's, there's a story that I really want to tell that I believe that will really speak to all of us in this room. It's this. My last point is this. We should learn to forgive. We should learn to forgive. Ephesians 4, 32, it says this. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ 
has forgiven you. I'm going to read that one more time. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. So like for me, I'm like, okay, I can be kind. That's easy. Tenderhearted, okay, I got it. But when it gets to forgiving, okay, I'm like, okay, wait, 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 wait. So I have to forgive no matter what that person said to me or did to me. I have to forgive him. Forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And like I said earlier, I'm going to share this story because I believe that, that it will really speak to a lot of people in this room. And I, I don't share this story very often, but I believe that God, this morning, God was like, man, you got to share that story. You have to share it because I believe that it's going to be life-changing. So when I was, this is part of my testimony, when I was 13 years old, I was molested by a man. And um, this man is, um, this guy I really looked up to, really cared about, and I admired, and, and all these things, and and so I was, I was molested at a young age, and I didn't, I didn't know kind of what was going on. I was just like, I was, I was raised in church, and, but I just didn't know. I didn't know what was happening at the time. And so this guy was around constantly, all the time. And so when I was molested when I was 13, um, a couple years went by with this on, ongoing. This was still happening. Um, and he ended up dying when I was 15 years old. And so he died just all, like it was sudden. It was a sudden death. And I was, when he died, I was so hurt. I was so confused. I was frustrated. I was mad. I was bitter. I was angry. I had condemnation. I had guilt. I felt shame. I felt all these different things. And I was like, Lord, why? I started questioning. I started questioning, God, why? Lord, I've been in church my whole life. I've been doing these things my whole life. Why? 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 Why me? Why me? Why? Why did this happen? Why did this have to happen to me? And so I started just wrestling with all these things. When he when he died when I was fifteen, no one knew about it. No one knew. And so I kept this a secret. I kept this in the dark for years, for years. So I kept it all the way from thirteen all the way to seventeen. And some things happened in my life when I was seventeen years old. And finally, I just broke down to my mom. I said, "Mom, like this happened. I was molested by so and so, and and all this stuff. And it just all came out. It just all started coming out." And I just started feeling like just more anger and bitterness started coming up. I thought, I thought that I had, had, had dealt with a lot of it, but it still started coming up. So 17 is when I finally said and told every, everyone that was around me. I told my parents. I told a lot of people. And I started getting help. I started getting counseling because I was, I was messed up. I was, I was struggling with identity issues. I was struggling with so many things. And so 17 on to 21, I was just getting help and I was uh, getting counseling from my pastors and, and all these things and, and just praying and constantly trying to, trying, to, trying to get a hold of this thing of forgiveness. Because there was a lot of unforgiveness in me. There was a lot of hurt in me. There was a lot of shame. There was a lot of guilt. There was a lot of condemnation. And I didn't know how to forgive. I didn't. I didn't know how to forgive. And let alone, I, I, I'd only seen like forgiveness face to face. I'd seen it face to face where it said, I forgive you. And we look and we, and we talk about it and we, we tash it out. But I never had seen, man, how do I forgive somebody that's dead? How do I literally forgive somebody and get rid of this shame that I have and he's dead? I can't speak to him. I can't see him in person. And so I carried this shame over my life for years. For years and years. I don't have the band come up. I came over this shame. And I, I had all the shame and condemnation. And so for years and years, I, I started like seeking help and trying to get all this. I said, Lord, Lord, I want to forgive. I want to forgive. I don't know how to forgive. I kept holding on to it. I kept holding on to it. 21 went by. And then 22 went by. Still holding on to this unforgiveness. And so I ended up, I was in Albuquerque at the time. 
and I had this mental breakdown. And I was like, I was volunteering. I was doing all I can in the church. I was serving. And then finally I talked to my pastors, and I'm like, look, I, 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 I can't. I can't do it. I'm done fighting. I'm done. I'm done. I just can't. I can't do this anymore. I'm going to church every single Sunday. I'm volunteering at everything that I can. I'm trying to serve the best way that I know how, but I can't do this. There's nothing else happening in my heart and in my mind. I'm not getting free from this shame. I'm not getting free from this guilt. I'm, this weight has been on me constantly. This weight of unforgiveness, this weight and heaviness of bitterness is on me. And I was trying to pray and, and ask God. I was trying to do everything that I could to forgive. And so when I was 22 years old, I said, I, I'm done. I got to get away. I got to get away. So I moved. I went to this discipleship program in Kentucky in the middle of nowhere where you couldn't bring cell phones. You couldn't have anything. And it's where you get away with God for seven months. I said, look, this is it. I got to get. I have to. I have to because I have a call and I have a purpose on my life. I have a plan over my life and I have to get rid. In order for me to walk into this plan that God has for me, I have to, un I have to forgive this person. I knew it. But I didn't know how to do it. And so I went to this program. I used to get up at 4 a.m. every single day. Every single day. I'd go to this. I'd get up at 4 a.m. And I, I'd read my Bible. And I'd pray. And I'd say, Lord, teach me. Lead me. Guide me. Show me. Every single day for six months, I got up at 4 a.m. And nothing changed. Nothing changed. And I was like, Lord, where are you at? Where are you at? I, I've seen you work in other people's lives. But why aren't you working in my life? And I cried out to him every single day, and I'd be wrestling in my heart and in my mind, Lord, I want to forgive this person, but I don't know how to. I don't know how to forgive. You have to show me. And so I'd, I'd get up at 4 a.m. every single day, and I'd just, just pray. And I'd go on this prayer trail, and I would just pray and worship. I would do everything that I knew how to do. And month after month, six months into it, so this is about three weeks before you have to leave. It's about a seven-month program. And I'm like, Lord, I'm about to go back into the world and I know I have a call on my life. But I don't hear you. I don't see you. I don't know you in this moment. I know that you're real. I felt your presence before. But in this moment, I don't feel you. I don't know who you are. And so I just started crying even more. And I started seeking God. And then one morning I got up. And I started listening to this song. It's a song by Hillsong. And I, I just started worshiping. And I started praying. And it's, called, it's the song called The Stand. And the words go like this. You stood before my failure. You carry the cross for my shame. My sin weighed upon your shoulders, my soul now to stand. And then it goes on to say this. And so it says, so I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. I'll stand my soul, Lord, to you surrender all I have is yours. And I started singing that song. And in that moment, I just started breaking down. Because he said, look, look at how you're standing. Look at your posture. And my arms were lifted. And I just started weeping. And I just started saying, Lord, I, okay, I, I hear you. I feel, I, I feel you. I know your presence. I know you're here. And I just kept saying, I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe. And I just started seeking him every single day, every single morning. And I just started crying. And it was in that moment. It was in that moment where God released everything in my heart. All the unforgiveness, all the bitterness. He said, listen, you've been holding on to it. But look at your posture. You're in surrender. You're in surrender. And I stood before your failures. I stood right there with you. I was right there with you in the shame. I was right there with you when that man treated you wrong. I was right there with you in the middle. I was right there. 
I never left you. I stood right before your failures. I carried this cross for the shame that is over your life. I carried this cross for the guilt that is over your life. I carried this cross for the condemnation that you were going to deal with. So I'll stand. I'll stand, Lord. I'll stand with heart, with my heart open. I'll stand. Father, I surrender it to you. And in that moment, it was like a release. It was like a breath of fresh air because I released the unforgiveness. I release the bitterness. I release the shame. I release the condemnation. And a lot of us in this room, in order to have healthy relationships, we have to release those things. We have to release those things and say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender it all to you. I'll stand with arms high and heart up and in awe of the one. And you don't have to have the best voice. It doesn't matter. God loves you and he hears you. It doesn't matter how you sing. It's, it's a posture of who you are. Worship is a posture of the heart. So when we come in here every single Sunday, man, I get so excited when worship happens because it's like, Lord, man, I get a chance to surrender it all to you. My week has been so chaotic and so frustrating, but in this moment, I surrender it to you. I'm going to forgive that person that done me wrong. I'm going to forgive the person that shamed me. I'm going to forgive the person that used me. I'm going to forgive them, and I'm going to lay it at your feet and say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender. I surrender to you. Come on. Can we stand up in this moment?